Hello, everybody. We are back. Welcome to the Meat and Freedom Podcast. I am Scott, Scott the Carnivore on Twitter, at Vegan Wing. Conveniently, you should follow me there. Um, Took a vacation. That's, that's where I was. Honestly, took a little vacation, and it was strange. Um, I'll tell that story. I'll go ahead and tell that story before we get into anything. No music today, no introduction, none of that. We're going to get right to it, because... I want to discuss Ron DeSantis and the Ron DeSantis campaign, the people that Ron DeSantis has chosen to surround himself with, and how I think they're impacting his campaign in a very negative way. And I don't think it's too late for him to write the ship, though I question why he's in this race to begin with. We'll talk about all of that. I've talked about it before, but before I do, let me let me tell you this. So we went on vacation, and... Um, you know, I won't disclose the exact location... But we went somewhere and I was struck with how, you know, look, I live, I live in Ohio. Okay. Full disclosure. And I, I, I see the opioid epidemic and what it's done. And, but, but where we traveled for vacation, it was particularly bad there. It's this silent killer that is just destroying American towns and cities that is not being addressed appropriately, in my opinion, by any city government or state government. It's certainly not given enough attention by our federal government, you know, who who really hates the idea of states' rights until it comes to things like this, and then they love throwing it over to the states and saying, this is your problem. But I do think this is a problem that affects the entire country. As we see the decimation of, of towns due to opioids, and you can see sort of the results of that. Just take a drive downtown um, anywhere and you, you'll see the results of that. It's really, it's a really a very serious problem that gets about zero traction. And I think part of that is because we like to ignore, um, we like to ignore these types of serious real life problems. And we like to hyper-focus in on issues that are maybe bigger than we are. Um, I'm going to take some heat for, for using this as an example, but I'm going to use this as an example. Um, because, quite frankly, I just, you know... Um, you know, pro-life, pro-choice. Let's talk about abortion, right? As you may be aware, I am very pro-life. Um, singularly though, my pro-life voice isn't going to do much to impact laws in my state, in, in my country. Okay. Um, collectively, perhaps that is, that is true and you can do some real, real damage there, but I would contend, and I know I'm going to get oh, cru crucified for saying this, the opioid epidemic is a problem that affects us in our day-to-day -day lives because many people that we know are um, addicted to drugs and have been impacted by this. I, I would venture to guess you are not far away, you know, in the people you interact on a day-to-day -day basis. If you were to track sort of like your connection to an addict, you wouldn't have to go too, too far. Um, your connection to somebody who seeks an abortion or has gotten an abortion is probably farther, in all honesty, than than your connection to somebody who, 
who's addicted to drugs. Um, I sex is sort of like a drug, and so they they do tie together in that weird weird way. But um, this is a very serious problem. I mean, the town the town that we visited, it was just decimated by this, and it was it's very easy to see that. Um, I you know I may start covering that a little more on this podcast. Um, and I might tweet about it more because it is addiction in general is a very serious problem that we as humanity, as a species face, and we have contributed to that ourselves. I think that's pretty obvious, right? The ease of access, um, for any type of thing that we want to indulge in, whether or not that is opioids or pornography or, uh, you know, video games i know people get mad when you talk about it but people do get addicted to these things whatever we choose whatever our choice is for our little dopamine hit um that's it's it's just a huge problem that needs to be talked about more but anyways look i want to spend the majority of the time today talking about an issue that man okay ron DeSantis. Let's just have a candid conversation for the rest of our time together today about Ron DeSantis and particularly his campaign. So so right around the time that DeSantis launched, a little before DeSantis launched, okay, you could look at polling and you could see that Trump and DeSantis were, were tied. It was it was pretty much a dead heat. There, there was even at one point when Predicted had DeSantis as the favorite over Trump. Now, Predicted is gambling. It's a gambling market, but it's a barometer, just like polls are. They're barometers. Um, people argue that polls aren't, um, they're not believable, they're not worthy, they're not um, a good way, not trustworthy. But at the very least, polls can show you trends. So even if you think that polling data might be off, I would argue thinking that polling data is off like 30 points is a bit ridiculous. And I hear some very smart people saying that. Um, and I have to wonder why they're saying that they're very smart. They should know better. Polls might be even five points off, but they're not going to be 30, 40 points off. If you're ahead by 30 or 40 points, you're probably actually winning. Um, but anyways, um, it's a barometer. You can see, you can, you can notice the trends. And if you look at DeSantis, it's actually fast. It's, it's really fascinating. Quite frankly, the man has maybe the best track record as a politician in I was going to say modern history but perhaps history I mean he has done so much as Florida's governor he has lifted Florida to a status where it is not just because of the weather and the beach where you want to be the way he handled COVID, and it wasn't great. He was not perfect in COVID. People, you know, the revisionist history wants you to believe that he was, but he did lock down. Um, the but he 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 was sort of the first to kind of react to that and change his his mind and adapt. So he handled it very well. Maybe the best. Maybe the best. Christy Nome gets a lot of credit for the way she handled it, though I think it was the legislature that had a lot to do with that. But either way. DeSantis handled COVID very well. Trump handled COVID very poorly. Um, so comparatively, DeSantis has the edge over Trump there by a long shot. Um, DeSantis is certainly a leader. I, I think that's that's very evident. And he has a lot of 
skills that he has taken with him from his service in the military. He has reacted very, very well in the culture war, the sort of culture war issues. He's been a champion in that regard for a lot of people. And I think that's why a lot of people are very fervently behind DeSantis. There are fervent DeSantis people, okay? The the problem is those fervent DeSantis people just so happen to be the most annoying people on the political right. So there are probably a lot of people and, and maybe this doesn't matter to the general populace. Okay, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. What I want to focus on first is in this sort of overview of the destruction of the Ron DeSantis campaign for president. Because it will be something that we study years from now to say, how could this governor, who is by far and easily the best governor in the United States of America, perhaps the best politician in the United States of America right now, um, how did his campaign falter so much? And we're going to look at that. And, and, and the, one of the first things we're going to notice is, look, one of the complaints that you hear about Donald Trump is that he is, he has this sort of like cult of personality that has, um, collected this band of misfits okay and a lot of people complain about the band of misfits and the way that the band of misfits carry themselves online and how aggressive they are and 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 they're sort of they, they push people away quite frankly and i personally don't think these people are necessarily misfits i just use that term i understand that's a bit offensive but whatever that was for lack of a better term desantis has the same thing Okay, so when you're looking at cons and you go Trump, band of misfits that he associates himself with, um, I could say the same thing about Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis is not um, associating himself with Lindsey Graham, much to his credit. That's a huge knock on Trump, in my, Trump, 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 in my opinion. But he is aligning himself with a lot of neocon types, a lot of people who were involved with Jeb Bush, a lot of people who were never Trumpers at one point and then randomly converted over to support Trump. We gave them the benefit of the doubt, but now they're back to being never Trump as soon as they get a candidate that they can attach themselves to that isn't Trump. Now, when I see this, I start to question these people's authenticity. I think changing your mind is fine, right? I support RFK. And a lot of people go, well, RFK was anti-gun and RFK has come out since then and said, look, I personally don't agree with firearms, but I would never um, I would never take your rights away from you to own a firearm. That's that's what he said. He did say that he would support an assault weapons ban, but he put the caveat on there that everyone would have to agree that it was the right thing to do. And 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 let's be honest, uh, not everyone's going to agree on that. RFK has positioned himself as the unity candidate. That's that's what he's going to do. So so he's going to operate in a sense um, to represent sort of the the middle ground. Um, that's his position. That's that's where he stands. I like and believe a lot of what RFK says, and I think he's genuine, which is more than I can say for ninety percent of the politicians out there. That's why I support him. 
what makes me look at Ron DeSantis with with a a second glance is that he is not afraid to attach himself to these people who are by evidence potentially grifting in in some capacity. Now, I'm not going to say they're grifting in their beliefs. I don't think Dana Loesch, for example, is a grifter in the sense that I do believe she's very passionate about 2A, the Second Amendment. Um, but I think she's just a traditional conservative, right? I think a lot of these people are. That's fine. There's nothing wrong necessarily with that, except when they preach things, they don't necessarily practice them because they're so behind the Republican Party and they're so behind the establishment as it is that, you know, they're willing to just flip on a dime for no particular reason. I didn't like Trump's criticism of Kaylee McEnany. I thought it was garbage um, because Kaylee was was fantastic. So to criticize her and act like she was some sort of mid uh, press secretary is ridiculous. She was she was incredible at her job. And when Trump did that, I got pissed at him. I've been pissed at Trump a lot. But, you know, I find it very annoying that I make a criticism against DeSantis that is a warranted criticism. And it is literally just asking the question, how in the world does he plan on winning this primary? And all I get are, are attacks. People just responding to me attacking Trump. I don't care about Trump. I didn't ask about Trump. I asked how Ron DeSantis is going to win this primary, and none of them can give you a legitimate answer. They say things like, oh, well, grassroots. What? What does that mean, grassroots? You don't you don't think that Trump has a grassroots team? You don't think he's out there canvassing and doing all of the things? He's going to do all that. All candidates do all of that, every single one of them. So that's not enough. That's not enough. The Ron DeSantis, so so anyways, back to my original point before I get off on a tangent. That the the grifter class, the Will Chamberlain class of people who have gotten behind DeSantis um, after being behind Trump and then throw words at you like, oh well, Trump's just mean, and so I couldn't take it anymore. That's fair. But I don't necessarily believe that they actually I don't know if they actually stand. I, I don't know if they actually believe what they're saying because I've heard them say so many different things that at this point it's, it's impossible to know whether or not they're, they're telling the truth. And I, I, I like some of those people. People give Jenna Ellis a really hard time. They call her things like Jebba and it's, it's absurd. It's honestly absurd. You know, Jenna Ellis is, is, is perfectly fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with her. I, do I think, you know, I, but again, you know, her fervent belief that DeSantis has a chance. These are all smart people. They know DeSantis has no chance at this. I'm sorry. And if they believe that he does, they've convinced themselves of a lie. Look, let's, let's, let's revisit. This is the biggest problem with the campaign for DeSantis. First of all, it should have never happened in the first place. Okay. Ron DeSantis should have read the room in 2024 and realized the Trump base is fervently behind him. And you cannot win a Republican primary without stealing away some of the Trump base. Now, you might think that DeSantis can do that because of his record. But this is old school Republican thinking that just doesn't apply to 2023. You cannot apply the logic behind the 2015 election, which people people like to do, the 2015 primary for the 2016 election. Um, I guess 2016 primary too, sorry. The 2015 campaign. The campaign was happening in 2015. 
Either way, you cannot apply logic that applied to that primary to this one. We live in a completely different world. Everyone is completely polarized. We are not in the same space as a party, as a nation, as a, as, as a society as we were in 2015. So to say, well, Trump was at 6% in 2015 and he was able to claw his way up, that is, it was, it was, you cannot compare that to 2023. Different set of circumstances, different times, different candidate, quite frankly. You know, Trump is the type of person because of his charisma, because of his ability to speak to a crowd, because of his ability to, to not just win people over, but to entrance people to support him is different than almost any candidate we have seen. And from what I've seen of DeSantis, he does not have that. He doesn't even have a fourth of that skill set and ability. Um, the consultant class is behind DeSantis because they desperately want a primary. But he is unable to captivate an audience like Trump is. I, that's common sense. Trump is a showman. That's, that's what he does. He's going to be better at that. You know who else is going to be better at that than DeSantis? Vivek. Because Vivek Ramaswamy is also a businessman who's had to give presentations, who has had to sell people on ideas. So he knows what he's doing. He studied up on it. And that's why you see Vivek rising in the polls, almost catching DeSantis. Like, he's moving up. And so Ron DeSantis should have read the room. He shouldn't have listened to all of these people who were pushing and prodding at him to run because I think he's doing so much damage in 2024 by alienating Trump voters. And it's not him, but it's the people he's surrounding himself with who are choosing to attack, attack, attack. They're attacking these Trump supporters that they need to win over. So instead of winning their, them over, what they're what he's doing is his, his people are just attack, 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 and they're turning people against them because of it. DeSantis is a fantastic candidate who has surrounded himself with morons, idiots, grifters, and consultants. And the problem with that is these people are not in touch with the American people. They're not. The Republican Party as a whole is not in touch with the American people. Their reaction to the student loan forgiveness stuff tells you everything you need to know. But it also tells you, go ahead and talk to some people about that. These aren't people, they, they, these are people who support Trump no matter what. They're completely brainwashed by him. They're not thinking logically, okay? What happens when millions of student loan uh, recipients default on their loans? By the way, you can't file bankruptcy on them, so who's paying that bill? Who? And do we really want to say, do we really want to be the party that looks at a group of people who were brainwashed and coerced into taking out student loans when they were 17, 18 years old and go, F you, sorry, you're on your own? How about you want to talk about turning a group of people against you who will never vote for you again? That's a great way to do it. Are we really the party that's more willing to throw billions of dollars to some foreign country so that we can fund a proxy war, so that we can fight a war through them? Or are we the party that wants to help out the American people? You know, yeah, they need to learn a lesson. People do. But 17 and 18 year olds are not of sound mind to make lifelong life-altering financial decisions. And if you don't think student loans are, explain to me why I know people who took out $150,000 in student loans have paid back $250,000 and still owe $100,000. That is not an exaggeration. That is true. Do you think that's fair? It's not. But these are the same people who are jumping and attaching themselves to DeSantis, almost the worst of the Republican Party, quite frankly. And again, I don't think Trump is the perfect candidate. I've said to you right now, as it stands, 
I think it is more important that we support RFK in his primary so that we force Biden into a position of having to compete. Right now, Biden is just sitting on the sidelines waiting for all this to play out. Republicans get to divide and attack each other while Biden and his team is building up infrastructure in these states, uh, starting their canvassing efforts already so that they'll be ready to go to canvas and to, to get early votes and to get um, to get all this stuff and, you know, to get these these ballots turned in because the number of ballots is really how you win an election. They know that and that's what they're doing right now because they don't have to worry about a primary. They're not giving RFK the stage. The Republicans have decided to give 15,000 people the stage and we're going to suffer for it. We're going to spend all this money that we could have spent building infrastructure. If DeSantis really cared about the country, if he really gave a damn, he would know this. He would also know that just you're not going to win these Trump people over. OK, you've got to let the Trump thing. You've got to let the Trump narrative play itself out. He should have sat out of 2024, entered in 2028, and he would have been the dominant candidate in 2028. He would have absolutely been the dominant candidate. Now, do I think Trump can win a general? I don't know. I really don't. Trump, it, you know, fires people up. And I do think this is like the most important election, which is why I think building that infrastructure and getting early voting set up, doing all that stuff is so important. But read the room. Read the country. Do you really think you're going to convince Trump voters to just switch over and abandon their guy for DeSantis? Do you really think that's going to happen? Explain to me how Ron DeSantis does that. Explain to me how Ron DeSantis convinces the Trump voter who doesn't care about anything, who understands Trump's faults and foibles and still adamantly, ardently supports him. How does he win those people over? Oh, he can win without those. No, he can't. Look at the numbers. He can't win without those people. No Republican can anymore, by the way. None. Unless they don't turn up. They can hurt you if you don't if they don't turn up. And people want to point at Carrie Lake and call that a Trump failure. I don't think that's a Trump failure. Okay? I really don't. Um I think Arizona's always sort of been that way. Now look at John McCain. You know, I, I, I just think that there's there was a lot working against Carrie Lake and it wasn't just Trump. And I think that's the very simplistic thing to say. Oh, Trump. No, it wasn't just Trump. There was a lot working against her, um, in my opinion. And I think if you understood Arizona politics, you would understand that. So anyways, to sum this up, I've been arguing with DeSantis people all week. I, I just think this is a terrible idea. And I think it's going to damage Ron and he's going to have to try to repair his image in 2028. I really do not see a path forward for Ron to win the primary in 2024. I don't. And maybe, maybe the path is that Trump gets indicted so many times, he finally gets arrested, and he's unable to campaign because of it. But if that's true, and Ron DeSantis is counting on that... Do I really want to support the guy who is counting on the unfair prosecution of Donald Trump to win an election? And the answer to that question is absolutely not. Absolutely not. So go ahead, you know, message me on Twitter. What is Ron DeSantis's path here? Okay. 
Lay it out for me, because I'd love to see it. How does Ron DeSantis intend on winning over this Trump base that is incredibly fervently behind him? How does he plan on winning them over? Anyways, that's all I have for you today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. We will be back. We're, we're going to get back on our regular schedule now that we're back from uh, vacation. So we will be back with more. Um, I will see you all next time. Have a great day, everybody. Peace.